It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. It's great to have you all listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, specialist in e-commerce business strategy and marketing, and I'm really pleased to be bringing you a little bonus episode this week. It's packed with my takeaways for you from last week's Internet Retailing Expo. It happened in Birmingham, UK, and it was uh, jam-packed. Now, just like last year, I was chairing some of the conference, and this year it was the From Clicks to Bricks agenda. Now, that might seem like a bit of an odd title, But it really did fit the content because the stream was all about how bricks and clicks and omnichannel businesses are taking their online digital learnings and using them across their channels, including the store, or even in one case, using the principles of all our online testing and using that in a store environment. Now, even if you're running a pure play only online only even business, there's still plenty of great lessons here for you too. So please don't turn off because this is about stores and big businesses. There's a lot you can learn. So please do keep listening. And this is going to be a little bit shorter than some of my normal takeaways episodes because uh, it was only the one day I spent in the conferences and the second day I was wrapped up in meetings, which lots of exciting things from that, but not for this podcast. You'll hear more about those as the year rolls on. Now, what am I actually going to be covering today? Well, there's three key parts. Um, What John Lewis have learned about mobile shopping. How Sainsbury's are adapting their systems and processes to deliver what the customer actually wants. And a fascinating Mapling case study of how they're moving heaven and earth to reposition themselves in front of the right customer as the connected home sector is about to go boom. Now, the best thing about that one was really the way in which they've really done their research. But but I'll, I'll explain that as we get towards the end of the podcast. You can get the written version of this update, my script if you like, directly from the webpage for this episode on that show notes page. There's no form to fill in, there's nothing to download, it's just right there like an exceptionally long blog post ready for you to read, to print off, to do whatever you want to with. Plus there's a couple of extra photos in there to help illustrate a couple of the points. And you can find that via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or just search for takeaways in the search box. Uh, It's very easy to find this episode. So let's start off then with the lessons from John Lewis about mobile shopping. For those of you outside the UK, John Lewis is a big department store who sell across bricks, clicks and mobile. They're a bit of a retail institution in the UK, so we had pretty much run out of even standing room for this session. It was amazing how many people they managed to squeeze into the conference room. This presentation was given by Tom Rooney, who's their mobile product manager. Now, he ran through 10 lessons, but I've condensed it into... How many have I condensed it into? into the four key pieces that I think can be the most use for the the smaller retailers who listen to this podcast. So first up, my first takeaway from his session. Now, no two customers follow the same path to purchase across the route to your website, the way they use your web properties, and then how they go through fulfillment. There are thousands of different routes that the customers could take. Different content, different platforms, different entry points. It really is quite endless. So Tom's recommendation was stop trying to envisage every journey because it's it's kind of a it's an endless, impossible task. And he was saying that you know one of the reasons you shouldn't be trying to envisage every journey is because customers are actually really keen to tell you how they did it. 
not only do you get the web stats so you can you know look at the numbers for how it goes you can also listen to how what the customers tell you about where they have problems where it worked really well for them and how they choose to work with you so looking and listening at what the customers are actually doing then you can identify the areas you need to improve so rather than try and map out every possible option find the weak points and fix those now, John Lewis have a whole in-house testing facility. Not many of us can, can uh, create one of those. But Tom had a great tip for those of us who aren't quite that lucky. He suggests we go and search for guerrilla testing on Google to find lots of clever, cheap and easy ways to quickly find out what your customers really want. OK, so Tom's second point, or my second point from Tom's presentation, was that you need to know how your traffic behaves to work out what to focus on. This is really about different devices. So for John Lewis, the smartphone is now their number one traffic source. They design everything mobile first. However, this may, of course, be different for your business. So please don't go away from this thinking, oh, Chloe said we have to design everything mobile first. That is not what I'm saying. It's not what Tom was saying either. Because, for example, the ecommercemasterplan.com site this year, our traffic is only 24% mobile. That's less than a quarter mobile and 72% desktop, the, whatever the rest is, is, uh, is, is, is tablet. So I'm going to keep focusing on getting that desktop site as good as it can be, but making sure that I'm not shooting myself in the foot with a really poor mobile site. So check your stats before you do this. Now, John Lewis also find that it really varies throughout the day, which is the number one uh, device. So for them, the morning, which they class as midnight to 6am, it's all about the mobile traffic that's in the top from 12 p.m to 2 p.m the desktop is in ascendance so that's basically all of us sat at work shopping in our lunch break and then the tablet comes into its own in the evening so you really need to understand your customer's behavior in order to um, influence what you create and deliver on those different platforms you know if you're sending out emails at lunchtime to your customers then Make sure you're highlighting things that people like to do on the desktop, things that are happening on the desktop. However, you're sending emails in the evening. Remember, your customers are most likely to be on their tablets. So all and oh, yeah. And the other thing I wanted to say about this one was that the interesting thing I thought for John Lewis, and I, I did ask Tom about this, was that although mobile is the top for traffic, the best for conversion rate is the tablet and then the desktop not mobile at all, yet they're still designing everything for mobile first. And that's because they know that giving a good visiting experience will lead to, to greater sales. So just that was, that was quite an interesting one. They made the decision to focus their development on the traffic winner, not the conversions winner. Okay, um, number three then was was the uh, the product page is the new homepage. Oh, I thought this was a genius point, really well made. So for John Lewis, 30% of all visits to their websites start on a product page, not on the homepage, but on a product page. So what they're battling with, especially on mobile, because the screens are so tiny, is that as well as selling the product, the product page also needs to reflect your brand and include your key messages. So they were showing, um, or Tom put up on screen, the uh, how themselves and Argos were selling the same product, one of the iPads, just to show how that works in reality. So John Lewis had their price promise on that first screen, the first first screen you see of that product page. They got that on there. 
whereas for Argos it was about review scores. So the thing is, so when you're thinking about your product pages on all platforms, but and especially on mobile as well, what's going to make it onto the first mobile screen for you? It's not just a picture of the product and the price and the buy button. You also need to get some element of the, your branding up there. So as you can answer the question of why should they buy that product from you and nobody else? I would highly recommend you look at some kind of social proof and some kind of trust building metric, uh, some, some kind of trust building content in there, which will come as no surprise to regular listeners of the podcast that I'm banging on about social proof again. Okay, number four then um, is to avoid solutions without problems. I love this because I feel like it's a more grown up way of talking about bright, shiny objects. So I'm, you may well hear me talking a lot about avoiding solutions without problems. And that really, for those of you who are kind of going, what on earth is she talking about? This is about, you know, there's lots of clever tech out there, there's lots of clever ideas, there's lots of great products out there that you could potentially be selling. But if it's not a problem, if it's not something your customers want that you don't deliver, if it's not something which is going to fix um, problems that you've got with your systems, with your customer journey, etc., then why are you working on it? Fix the problems first. And then if you've got some time and money left over, then you can go and play around with solutions that didn't have a problem you needed to fix. So that also means that you have to learn to say no and to stay focused on what you should be working on. Right, so that was all my little learnings from John Lewis. Now I want to take you into the Sainsbury's space. So this was about how Sainsbury's are adapting their systems and processes to deliver what the customer wants. And we had Fabrice Coulard, and he spent his session explaining how Sainsbury's have gone about switching to an agile technology approach over the last 12 months. This is something which I, I think agile is just such a clever way of working. Um, but let me um, explain, for those of you not familiar with it, what agile is. Because it's a really different approach to tech development and, quite frankly, anything else uh, that's focused on making changes fast and testing quickly. So it's really about um, speeding up rollout times and also about making sure that the right things are being worked on a bit like our um, no solutions without problems. And it's also about evolving towards a solution of not trying to fix. Sorry, it's about evolving your solution. So testing and measuring, testing and measuring little things rather than trying to fix everything in one go you know we are we're past the days where you just go right we're going to build a new website and it's going to change everything you know and you change platform and you change backends and you change everything you put it live and you believe it's going to be better um we're now in the place where you you test little bits of that little bits of that little bits of that and you evolve towards a great solution now agile devotees are probably going to hate the explanation i've just given of agile but i really wanted to keep it short and on point so um, feel free to comment in the facebook group that's the e-commerce master plan world facebook group uh if you if you want to take me up on that one or if you've got a better definition which will help the listeners um please do share that okay so um this agile, this move to agile that Sainsbury's are undertaking. Oh, and um, for those of you from overseas, Sainsbury's is one of the largest uh, supermarkets in the UK. So this move to agile is an essential part of delivering their omni-channel vision, which is to be there for our customers whenever, wherever and however they want. In other words, let the customers interact with us in the way that the customer wants to interact with us. Seems pretty simple, but it's as we all know, it's not always that easy to achieve. And I thought this really resonated with what Tom had been saying about the different pathways and how you, you can't map those pathways. You just got to identify the problems and fix those for the customer. And the, with this, this vision they've got, uh, 
Fabrice showed us the three key parts to it, which are colleagues, customers and products and services at fair prices. Now, what I thought interesting here was that two out of these three are about people. This is a vision which has led to a massive development change within Sainsbury's, affecting huge areas of the business. But yet, actually, the, the vision is, is about the colleagues, the customers and the products and services. There's not an IT within those three parts. It's about the people. So to prioritise projects, they are listening to their customers. And that was very much one of the other big lessons that I took from Fabrice's session, which the first of which, of course, was to listen and look after the people first rather than the tech, be those people, the customers or your colleagues. But then also to adapt as you need to, not to stick rigidly to a process if it turns out it's not working. So, for example... Sainsbury started with quite a complex project Gantt chart of all the different projects they needed to do. Um, and it quite quickly became clear that that was fairly unmanageable and wasn't really giving them the results that they needed to. So they now just have three lists. For this ridiculously complex chart, that's just three lists. So those three lists are what we're doing now, what we're doing next and what we're doing later. Really, really simple. And one of the reasons they moved to that simple piece is because what they've realised is there's a lot of basic things that need fixing before they can't before they can start doing those kind of crazy clever IT implementations. So that's I think a big lesson for all of us. Have we got the basics working before we go and do something really really clever with our systems and our processes and our customer interactions? Because if the basics aren't there, then you're just going to be building more onto a flimsy foundation. And I think also we could all we could all spend a lot of time or not spend a lot of time. We could all save ourselves a lot of time by really working out what those three lists are. The now, the next, the later. It's something which I've done done for a long time is to have. And a lot of you will have heard me say I'm not doing that this quarter. That's not a this quarter project. So think about what actually needs to be delivered this quarter and then have things which I think I'll do next quarter and great ideas for the future after that. And it just just the freedom of going, all right, that's the next thing great I've made a note of it but right now I'm going to focus on the things which I really need to do now it's, it's very liberating so I highly advise you try that one okay I've lost track of how many lessons I've given you now from Sainsbury so uh, the, so the next one is that oh no duh See, I should, I should stop editing my script as I read it out to you guys. But anyway, um, <laughs> you, you get extra, lots of extras as I edit it as I'm reading it out. So that was the lesson all about the basics working before you do those cool and sexy projects. So Fabrice also was talking on this front about getting better at saying no, just like Tom was. Um, that's Tom from John Lewis. And there's quite an amusing cartoon he shared that I've put on the website for anyone who wants to go and check that out. Um, I'm not going to try and read and describe this cartoon, but if you struggle with saying no, not only is it quite entertaining, but it's also a um, a great example of how you can phrase it slightly differently so you still get get the no result, but without annoying anybody, and without it feeling a little bit icky. Okay, so here's my my last of my of my takeaway sections for you. This is one from the Maplin case study, which I thought was really fascinating, and it's about how the how they've identified this huge opportunity in the marketplace, got to understand the customers where the biggest customer opportunity is, therefore their biggest money opportunity is, and how they're now 
trying to fast track the repositioning themselves ready to take advantage of that knowledge. So Maplin is an electronics retailer who've decided to take advantage of the coming boom in customer demand for the smart home, the connected home. That's all the uh, like Amazon Alexa. It's being able to turn on and off your lights from somewhere else, all those kind of things. Now, their e-commerce and marketing director, Siobhan Fitzpatrick, shared their in-store development project that they've been running to achieve this end. And this really is a physical store first project. They started off with a physical store and then they looked at how they might roll that back into digital, which I think is a really interesting way of, of approaching it. Plus, in terms of what they were doing with that physical store, they used a lot of those kind of agile testing, you know, let's test it, let's see, we'll test, we'll measure what works, what doesn't, change it. A really, really um, active test process, the sort of which usually we only see people doing online. So really interesting from both both those fronts. Now, they started the whole thing out by, once they'd identified there was going to be this big boom in the connected home sector that they really wanted to take advantage of, they started out by understanding the interest sector segments even that their customers fit into so they identified five of these there's the experts which splits into two tech pros and enthusiasts the appreciators which again splits into two enjoyers and enhancers and then the novices they worked out how the uk market the uk consumer market divides itself between these five in terms of percentage and they also did it for their own customer base What this quickly showed was that they have a lot more of the experts shopping with them than that as a percentage than they there are in the country. So they're doing really well in the expert sector. They've got good penetration there. However, the appreciators, which is the biggest part and the most lucrative part of the of the marketplace, they're underrepresented in. They don't they're not attracting as many of those as they should be through their doors. So. The thing about the appreciators is that what they need is they need advice. They want advice. The experts just want to come in, buy it and leave. Whereas the appreciators, they want advice and help to feel comfortable with what they're going to be buying to make sure they get that enjoyment or that enhancement. Which means that providing advice was critical, which is not something their stores or their store teams are really set up to do for people at that level. So they thought it was pretty obvious that it's going to be a lot easier to show how a smart home device works and to explain it. So this meant getting the products out of the packaging and allowing the customers to have a go with them. So the team put together a completely new store format. Now, this is live in Cambridge, if anyone wants to go and check it out. Um, And it has an area where customers can get involved with the various smart home technologies. So the centre of the store, it's kind of like this playpen where you can go and play around with all the tech. And they've done that to see really so the customers can see exactly how it works and find the solution that works for them. So the results of this have been that in the Cambridge store, they've seen sales increase by double digits, like for like year on year. So that means that for this same week last year, sales are up uh, by double digit figures. And the smart home product category itself has re- has sales have increased by 300%. To be fair to say that overall this test has been something of a success. Because along alongside this, of course, they've created an awful lot of content that's available digitally and in store. And they've trained up the store team to help people play with these, these new technologies as well. So this has very much been an all-encompassing project. It's no stone left unturned, but... You know, if you've done that much research and you've identified such an amazing opportunity, wouldn't you go all out for it? 
However, they also, whilst going all out and putting everything on it and really doing, and this has been a ridiculously quick project, which is still underway, um, they've also been really careful to make sure they could deliver it quickly, but been quite controlling of what ended up in there. So they spent a lot of time de-scoping ideas, you know, just like we had Tom saying about solutions, avoid solutions without problems. You know, they de-scope things which actually weren't, you know, those really cool things that kind of vaguely fit the brief, but aren't entirely in there. They got rid of those. They got rid of, then if we think back to what Fabrice was saying about from Sainsbury's, about the now, later, next, sorry, now, next, later. They kind of took that approach as well, right? What do we need to create that minimum viable product in our store to be able to test this, the MVP? So they de-scoped a lot of ideas during that launch process, which is why I think we should all be watching them over the coming months to see what else they managed to roll out. They've also, of course, during this test, already started rolling out a few of the mini parts of it to other stores. Because, you know, if one bit works particularly well, why on earth wouldn't you roll that out as quickly as you can? And they're now rolling out the whole concept to a number of other stores and will continue to do so throughout this year. And because it's been so successful in this approach of helping people explore, play with it and um, and help to educate them has been so successful, they're now rolling out this content through the other channels. So yes, they tested it in the physical store first and now they're bringing it into those online channels. So this one is very much a work in progress. So if you're interested, keep an eye on Maplin over the coming months to see what they do with their digital channels and also with um, in their stores if you're lucky enough to live near one of the ones which is being upgraded. And I don't have a list, so you're just going to have to go in and have a look. Okay, so a bit of a quicker update for you this time. Um, my bullet point takeaways are avoid solutions without problems. Listen to your customers, both what they say and what they do. So the stats and the actual feedback. Remember that people are more important than the tech. So if you're putting something crazy and clever in place, make sure your people are with you. Make sure your customers actually want it. Product pages are key landing pages. Keep your tests simple and test, 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 test. Uh, so thank you for listening today to my takeaways from IRX. I hope you found them useful. I'd love to hear what you think of them. And if you were at the conference, what were your key takeaways as well? You can add all that in our Facebook page. So head over to um, either either go via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook to get there and join or search for e-commerce master plan world on Facebook and you'll be able to join the group. We have some good debates in there, some good discussions, lots of help going on. So it'd be great to have you in there and do let me know what you think about IRX. You can find the full script, barring my mm, slight rambles, uh, right on the show notes page, ready to read or print or do whatever you want with um, and links to the companies uh, featured. And you'll get all of that via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast even. Uh, really should have drunk all my coffee before recording this one. But uh, but I'm sure you guys will have, have found it very useful. And um, have a great week and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com. <laughs>